Let's pray. Nothing compares to the promise I have in you. So thankful for that, God. So thankful that you continue to love us in spite of ourselves. God, we just thank you for this beautiful day you gave us today and for the breath that we take and for life. We thank you for our church body. We thank you, God, for what you're doing and the movement forward. We can pray, God, that you would continue to work with us, continue to um, have your spirit here with us. We thank you so much for Pastor John and and for uh, the word that he brings and for uh, the leadership of this church, God. We know that they were put in place by you. And that's important. God, we thank you for this morning. We ask that um, as we continue on this morning that uh, we would put our ideas of what this is supposed to be, um, our, put our thoughts and all the other stuff that we have through this week, lay them down at the cross. Put our burdens at the cross and hear what you have to say. God, we just give you all the praise and glory that's due you. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Let's make sure that we try to do that every single day, God. We ask your blessing on the rest of this time. We love you. We give you all the praise and glory that's due. In Jesus' name. Amen. Our ushers are coming down and uh, they'll be bringing the plates around. And uh, as they do that, I want to welcome you and uh, ask that if you are a guest with us, um, welcome. And uh, if you would like, there is a card in the pouch in front of you. We'd love for you to fill that out. You can give it to one of these folks or you can drop it in the wooden box on your right on the way out uh, the front there. Uh, Just a couple quick announcements today. Uh, we are looking for volunteers to cover childcare on Saturday, August 3rd during uh, Gary Ingram's sessions here. Uh, please contact the church office if you can help. Also, Harmony Christian School is looking for a new board member. Uh, please see the bulletin for information on that, and please see your bulletin for additional and more detailed announcements. Pastor John, you're up, buddy. I'm coming up close. Good morning, everybody. My brother said earlier, it is good to be in the house of the Lord, is it? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So. (laughs) Amen. You figured that one out. That was very good. We have a few things to share this morning. I, um, a, uh, two, last week, it was last week, I lose track of where I am. The last week was a little unusual on Sunday morning. Anybody here last week and noticed it was a little unusual? I was walking around. I, I want to praise God about a couple of things. I was thinking about two weeks ago, no, it was last week, we had the, the um, picnic. And um, I already bragged on you, but I'm going to brag again. Uh, just seeing the body kick in, make it happen, in miserable heat. Now, I know there's some odd people around who like that kind of weather. They move to places like Florida, 
And, uh, but, and some of them are back, so I'm like, mm. But um, that was hot and miserable. And you know what? I don't think I heard any griping. I don't think I heard anybody getting irritated with each other. That, I mean, that's almost like miraculous, right? It was great. Because even in your own home, when you're that hot and miserable, you're cranky, right? Come on, be honest. You know what I mean. So anyway, I thought it was awesome. And the teamwork, no griping. Uh, the picnic was pulled off, uh, even with uh, the heat keeping some people away. It was just an awesome time, connected with a bunch of new people. And one of the most, I use the word funnest, but one of the most fun things was that people were, and it's happening more and more around Harmony, better watch out, you might end up getting normal. <laughs> people were having spiritual conversations all over the place. And some of us, after cleanup, we were still hanging out and dialoguing, having an amazing time. More and more of that needs to happen because, you know, the early church, when they were scattered after persecution, they went around gossiping about Jesus. That's good gossip, as opposed to bad gossip. Everybody said? Okay, I'm making sure we're all okay here. You're kind of quiet. If you need a little more coffee, whatever. So, Speaking of sharing, I ran into some people after last Sunday, and they were sharing about the impact that some of what happened in the room spoke to them spiritually. And uh, I didn't want to close off any opportunity for saints to speak edification to one another. Some of them aren't here today. Some people that I planned my sermon for today weren't here today. But I'll bet you there's some other people it might apply to. Anyway, seriously, uh, if there's anyone who wants to speak edification, I think the, earlier, the early church used to do this. They were not on a time schedule. I know it says in Hesitations 12.6 that services should be no longer than an hour and a half, but that really isn't in the Bible. And uh, I don't know how it was in the early church, but some of them met in catacombs and they met all through the night in order to minister and edify one another. But many times it was the body ministering to itself. It wasn't just the guy who was speaking. Or there were multiple speakers, you know, multiple people unpacking the word of God. So I'm just going to give a minute because then we're going to also hear from one of our Kenya team members. That's why I'm wearing the shirt. Also, I have to mention, it's summer and I'm not wearing a tie through the summer. So if you want to have a board meeting... If you want to have a board meeting about that, let's have at it, huh? But I got to say something else. Last week, I was wearing a Hawaiian shirt. I don't know if anybody noticed. I was wearing a black Hawaiian shirt. I want you to know why. All the big preachers that build huge churches wear those Hawaiian shirts. So I know if I wear that, the church is going to grow. So those of you who hate big churches, you better leave now, because I'm wearing that shirt from now on, okay? I will buy more than one or it'll be really rank after about three months, right? So, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I wanted to regroup on, um, uh, and before I open it up for people to share, Love and Truth Network, Gary Ingram and his lovely wife, Melissa. Those of you who don't know, both of them rescued out of the homosexual lifestyle, now married, children, doing a great job parenting. I've gotten the chance to watch them and interact with them. Used to be on my staff. It is the mission issue of this generation in America, hands down. If you're saying, well, we shouldn't have to deal with that, find a time machine and teleport backwards because this is the world we live in. And so learning how to develop an environment that will be 
helpful, to move people along toward Christ and full obedience, which is what we're looking for. Um, that's why I asked Gary to come back and take the weekend for the seminar. Leadership on Friday night, leadership only, you've been invited. Uh, Saturday from 9 to 1 in here. If you have Q&A later, he'll come back for appointments like my friend uh, Ray Lightcap had done and make appointments through the afternoon. Then on Sunday, he'll be speaking. I'll check with him whether it's R-rated or not so you can warn your children. I doubt very much it'll be R-rated, but it'll be frank uh, because we need to be. All right, so that's Love and Truth Network, and uh, thank you for paying attention to that. Anybody want to share or encourage one another? Because that's what we're called to do. Speak life to each other in this assembly. Teddy. No, you don't have to come up. Just yell. There's not that many people in here today. We can... Oh, you want it on the record? Repeat the question. Okay. Put that over. Yes, over yonder. Good morning. Um, I know she won't come up here, so I'm going to speak for her. This is the edification part. Is this being transparent or translucent? There's a difference between transparency, transparency. where you're open about your stuff. I'm about to talk about my wife. You better be good. It's very good. Okay. Um, Next, uh, the August 3rd, the guy's coming about uh, the LGBT community. Um, It's amazing. I I watch my wife. She works in uh, OCJ. She's a... A corrections officer. She's probably going to be mad at me after this, but that's okay. And rightfully so. Um, I'm not going to cry. Yesterday she called me on her break, and she said, can you pray for me? And I said, sure, I can pray for you. I said, what's wrong? She goes, I had two or one inmate walk up to me and start asking me about, I heard you're one of those Christian, heavy Christian people. And uh, she goes, okay. And she said, uh, she obviously was a, um, a masculine woman, and she was more than open about being um, attracted to women. And she said she got in a conversation with my wife about whether or not you can be a Christian and in the LGBT community. Now, we kind of off track a little bit. We talked a, l- a couple seconds, and I said, well, I said, I'm glad she asked you and not me. I said, because I don't know how to answer that question. And she told me, she goes, well, my first thing to her was, we're all broken. We're all broken. We're all sinful. Your sin is no different than mine, whether I steal, whether I, you know, adultery, um, you know, same sex. He said, it's, it's all the same. I just choose to every day to try to live my life for God. So I was like, wow, I'm like, that's awesome. So the edification is, is God put her in a position um, with women who obviously need him. And she is doing awesome things there. She treats them like human beings instead of. Wow. You know, subordinates. And it's just awesome to hear her stories. I just wanted to share that one. Um, if you ever have time and want to talk to her and ask her about them, she has a lot. But that one yesterday was, it's just amazing. We come in and I look in the, the thing and he's coming to talk and I'm like, oh man, I'm like, and then you said, does anybody want to get up and edify? I'm like, wow, this is just kind of, so, <laughs> but you know, if you guys can just keep praying for her because um, the ministry that she was anointed with there that she didn't even know she was going to have is just amazing. Amen. There are open doors, right? And God's giving them to us and some good things happening. So your list is pray, hashtag pray for 27. Right? Right? Okay, Teddy. What, are you running for elder or something? Okay. <laughs> I'm teasing you. Good job.
Anyone else? Oh, by the way, can I launch off of what you said? You know, did, you, did I offend you with my smart aleck comment there? That was a little bit of smart. Did it offend you? You're okay. He's giving me a thumbs up. If you're offended for him, you need to pray. Anyway, um, all sin equally separates us from God. This is one of the biggest areas of confusion with Christians, so I can't let that go and not touch on it. All sin is not the same, though. The consequences and the social impacts are different. If I just hate you, that's one thing. If I murder you, that's another thing. Wouldn't you agree? Which would you rather have me do, hate you or murder you? I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a Facebook person. I'm not, oh, no. But I see people murder people. Yeah, oh, don't, that's another commentary. All right, but you get my point. Everybody understand there are, what happens with certain sins is the social consequences multiply. The impact. So it's not just one sin, it's multiples. It's, it's piling sin upon sin, if you will. So just to clarify that. Anybody wanted to share? I don't want to. Ryan. Ryan. Ryan wants everybody to understand that his advertisement that says you want a piece of the action is not about him. It's about helping with our technology. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fighter. I, I, don't, I don't like getting in confrontations. Um, so just to remind everyone to, about this Pray for One initiative that we started a long time ago, um, there's power in prayer. I don't know if you guys know that or not, if you've seen it. But uh, one of the ones that my Pray for One has been my mother. Because for like five to six years, she's had this horrific on-again, off-again relationship with a guy that's nothing but a user and a manipulator, and it's just god-awful. Well, never stop praying for her, even when she lets him back in. And there were a set of circumstances that came up, and I firmly believe that since me and several other people have been praying for her, she actually had the strength, I think, it's for good now. She caught him in a monstrous lie, and... Her self-esteem is finally kicking back to the point where she's standing up for herself. So it's amazing stuff. I very much care about my mother. Hate seeing her deal with that stuff. And this is just the testimony. You know, it doesn't matter if things change in an instant for you or if it takes several years. Um, God just wants you to bring that stuff to him. And, you know, he's faithful. He'll take care of it one way or another. Amen. Thank you, Ryan. Anyone else? Who did I miss? Ma'am. This reminds me of old revival meetings. Everyone comes up to the microphone. I've um, been I struggling know. with my back for a while, and um, <coughs> I, um, I went to see Brian and Nancy, um, and I said, you know, can I help in any way? And because um, I thought, okay, I can make a meal, you know, I can do something that you need um, around the house maybe. And Nancy said, well, I need you to call Linda and ask to help out with the picnic. And I thought, I can't do that um, because my back, right? And I waited a whole day, and I'm sorry, Linda, but I waited a whole day before even texting her, you know. And then she, we connected, and she goes, oh, I need someone to make phone calls about donations for food. You know, and pastor's always talking about our besetting sin is unbelief. You know, I doubted that God could possibly use me. Making phone calls was easy. And then I'm like, oh, fine, I'll get my husband to help me pick him up, you know? So if you ever get there where you're like, I can't do something, maybe he's just going to have you make phone calls. And forgive me for not stepping up, right, Linda? (laughs) But you did. Amen. 
Well, so far, everybody's preaching my sermon for me, so I get a day off. Oh, who did I miss? Who did I miss? Okay, well, you're first. Ladies first, then... Yeah, ladies first. You can stand. I'm not touching that. Oh, here you go. Sorry. I know I'm short. Hi, um... I've been praying. I have two girls, and um, they, they they were brought up in church. We were there Sunday mornings, Sunday night, Wednesday nights, and I dedicated them when they were small babies, and I really believe in the Lord. I've seen miracles happen so many times, and I praise them for it. And I've been praying every single day for my daughter. And my granddaughter, because she has gone so far away from the Lord. And we haven't talked for almost three years. And I just didn't accept the idea of the sins that she was doing. And I couldn't stand by and watch her. And it just tore me apart inside. And a couple weeks ago... She, about, about almost a month ago, she had a stroke. She's 43 years old. And I didn't even have her phone number. So I called up, and, I, and my son, thank God, he called her, and he got the phone number. He asked if it was okay if I called, and I did. And do you know, all these years that she hasn't talked to me, it was a misunderstanding. A misunderstanding. But I praise God. God for opening doors. Mm. I really do. I've seen miracles in my family, and I, I'm one of them, and I praise God for it. I just thank him fervently every single day to be alive and to see all the miracles and the works that he has done. I praise him for it. Are you coming up? You're going to come up? Okay. May the Lord heal that completely. Yeah, I know you hate being in front of people. And, yeah. um, I don't know there's I a million sit. things I could talk about with you guys. I don't even need this thing. Um, there's a million things I could talk about. Um, just encouragement for me. The church body was awesome uh, during my um, little incident that I had. I'm going to call it that. But, you know, we're talking about, um, I don't need that stinking thing. Uh, they're recording. All right, so I do need it. Okay, here's that. There you go. Um, now, anyway, um, what I want to really encourage the body about is surrendering. This whole thing with my heart and with the surgeries and everything was about surrender for me. Um, I had been struggling with God for a long time about control of my life, about... Um, giving up 99% of it, but always hanging on that one piece because somehow in the back of my brain, I said, I know better. Um, you know, we had an incident years ago with our family and it nearly broke us. Um, and I said that at that moment, I'm going to control everything at this point because apparently God can't. So I did and it uh, didn't work out. <laughs> but, um, you know, this, and I, I'll tell a story later. I'm not going to get into it now with my heart. But um, I, I, it was like God forced me 
into a spot where I had nothing left. Um, everything that happened down there, everything that came through, forced me into a, a corner where I had no more control. Um, and I knew the moment. The doctor walks in and starts talking to me about my surgery. And I said, Doc, what's my risks? And he looks at me and he goes, you're kidding me, right? He goes, you're kidding me. He says, let me tell you your risk. He says, I can tell you you have a 75% chance of dying on the table tomorrow. But I promise you, you have a 100% chance of dying if you don't have this surgery. I wish I had the movie um, Bruce Almighty when Jim Carrey falls on the ground. I really... Because that's what it was. I mean, at that moment, it was like, I, I surrender. I, I had nothing. And I had to trust. Forced to. You know, it's a shame that it took this to get me there. Yeah. It really is. You know, I have been a Christian a long, long, long time. But it's a shame that it took that to force me into it. If you're struggling with God this morning, if you're fighting for control, let it go. Mike Hopper, I love you to death, man, because you said one thing that encouraged the heck out of me two weeks ago. I said, Mike, I, have, don't, I don't want control anymore. And he says, isn't it freeing? He goes, there's freedom, Ben. It is did. the coolest thing. I, I, you know, I, whatever happens, happens. I mean, I read, you know, I was reading uh, Oswald Chambers this morning, and he says, you know, if you have plans in your life, God doesn't, those plans don't matter to God. It's not the ending that matters. It's the process. It's the everyday walk that we have to go through. And it's the trusting in God through that everyday walk. It doesn't matter what happens on the backside of this. It's about now and trusting God here and now. You know, um, so I want to encourage you. And I will tell my story forever because it's my story. But... I want to encourage you. If you're struggling this morning with control with God, let it go. Yay. It's the most freeing thing. Yay. Yay. That's right, man. I didn't put him up to that either. Can I just say I'm going to launch off of what you said? I can't believe I held it together. (laughs) I can. Um, That's becoming normal. We wonder why our church is held back, damaged. We're not choosing to be normal, period. Thank you. Uh, You're getting there, brother. It's awesome. This is awesome. He's going to see me this week. We'll finish the job. (laughs) Awesome. That was so, so on. Exactly, right? Anybody else? So far, we're doing good. You have not a good one? You have a good one. This one is, uh, I, t- I enjoy telling this. To, I told this to my wife, Betty, when, the day that it happened, but I enjoyed telling this to a couple of friends that um, I'm close with. You know, uh, Ben, of course, was in the hospital, uh, Columbia Presbyterian, and uh, Many of us uh, assisted with driving uh, Linda back and forth to, uh, to her house. And uh, Linda had called and said, yes, John, I do want you to come down, pick me up. Uh, I'll be ready at such such a time. So I got in my car and I drove down to New York City. And, uh, of course, there was an accident and I had to take a divergent 
uh, route, which got me lost. Now, I'm in Manhattan. Linda, I'm figuring, is waiting in front of the hospital with her sister for me. So I called her on the phone. I said, I'm lost. I, I, I just can't find Columbia Presbyterian. Um, I'm going to have to get some directions. So anyway, I struggled with it for a while, uh, playing with my phone, and I couldn't, I couldn't get the correct, you know, there's about a half a dozen Columbia Presbyterians down the city. So I stop at an intersection. I opened my window, and I shouted out to a man that was standing on the corner. I said, look, I'm, I'm lost. I need directions to Columbia Presbyterian Hospital. So he said, well, give me your iPhone. Give me your phone. <laughs> There's New York City, right? A stranger at the corner asked me, give me your phone. I handed him my telephone. I, I gave him my telephone. He starts typing into the phone, the address, and he said, here, this will get you right to the front door. He wow. said, I'm a doctor at that hospital, and I just got off the work. <laughs> Holy cow, come in for some counseling about street wisdom. I don't know what you knew or not, but that same night you were coming down to get for a ride, you were supposed to pick her up at a certain time. Um, I had complications at the hospital, and she had to hang around. She was late anyway. Eight million. I want to talk to you about your checkbook later. If I, I <laughs> wow, wow, what a congregation. Anyway, <laughs> all right. I don't want to cut anybody off, but this has been fun this morning. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna preach. Is that okay? Before I do, Shirley, you're going to come up and share? I don't know if I can follow that. Well, if you don't want to, uh, I put this one up because this was the house we visited. You can see Shirley there in the middle, and she and, and maybe someone else, was, was, were you with her originally with the first contact with Teresa? Um, no, it was, um, it was actually Amy. Amy, okay. So do you want to come up or do you want to hold it? you want to save it? Go ahead. Come on. Come on, Shirley. You want to use this? Let me move my junk. There you go. Don't worry about that. Okay. All right. So, um, whoa. <laughs> um, well, I'm very grateful that I was for the opportunity to go to Nairobi with a fine group of people to minister with our missionaries there to the um, people in the Logos community. Um, we had VBS. We celebrated with the Wilsons as they turned the, um, <laughs> turned the um, reins of the school over to the um, Nairobi Chapel. We, um, we went on safari, which was, was nice too, but um, we also um, worked in the school library and um, the guys helped build a house for Pastor Joseph, and we went on a couple of, of home um, 
uh, home visits. Now, home visits, uh, I guess they try and, the Wilsons try and encourage that. What they do in the home visits is they go to into people's homes um, um, with their permission, of course, and um, they talk to them about the Lord, and then they um, see what needs they have and pray for them. And so... Um, that was probably the thing that made the most impact on me. And um, Ryan, if you can show the first slide. This is just a traditional neighborhood. These are just small. This is like the houses that they live in. They're really small, and they all crowd in the same house. Um, but that was, you know, just a picture that I had taken about that. So the first, the first um, home visit we went two was with um, Francis. Um, he's standing there. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, he dressed it. He's got, the, he's got this shack. And you can see, in, if you can see it well enough, you can see that the walls are just made of, of mud between s- sticks that they've put together in kind of a lattice work. It's just... But um, and his the floor of his his home was dirt, but he was wearing a suit because he was going to meet with us. And um, I, I was just impressed with the fact that you know he how open they are about you know life in general. And um, he, he has uh, he has five children, and his wife, I guess. Um, what I learned later, she's um, standing next to Eli on the other side. Um, she has mental issues, so she's in and out of the home. Um, but he has, I think they're five girls. And um, they lost their cow last year to cancer, so um, they don't have milk for the family. They have to go out and buy that, and he's a farmer. And his father had died. Anyway, there's a lot of things going on, and you know, we prayed with him. And come to find out that that morning, uh, his daughter was in the first grade class that I was in, um, and um, I don't know if that's on the next slide. Yeah, there she is, and her name is Dorcas. And you know, we talked about how we could help this family, you know, buy him a cow. You know, how much does a cow cost? Well, um, we talked to Pastor Joseph. It's like anywhere from three to $500 because you want to get a young one. Uh, or we could, um, for $30 a month, Dorcas could have two meals a day and be in Christian school. You know, it's, there's just, what do you, what do, you do to help them? Um, so after the weekend, um, we were preparing for our second um, VBS, and um, while we were preparing for it, Diana Wilson came in and she said, "I need someone um, who would be willing to encourage and pray with this young woman. Her husband just left her. She's got four children, so she's a single mom, and she's really at her at her lowest point." And I said, "This is what God put me here." I'll do it. The next slide. So I prayed with Teresa. And we gave her some supplies. And then we said that we would come and visit her home on Friday. Um, 
she, Pastor Joseph was talking to her for a few hours that morning, so I, I think it was pretty serious with her. She, her, she had to move back in with her father, who was abusive, and um, that's him um, on this side. And, <laughs> and uh, Teresa is standing with her baby there and next to her mom. Um, so, you know, I prayed with her on Monday, and then on Friday we went to visit her, and um, her mom confided that she had just come to know the Lord recently, and Pastor John was able to encourage her um, that the Holy Spirit was, was revealing, because she said, I, don't, I, I think I've been under some wrong teaching. He says, well, that's the Holy Spirit talking to you. And um, then he gave his testimony, and... Um, Teresa decided that she wanted that too. And um, uh, her father was resistant, but you can see in that one picture that that's Pastor Joseph talking to his dad. And now he he said he had seen him around town, but he didn't know where he lived. He says, now I know. (laughs) Um, So, you know, hoping and praying that Teresa, her, her fourth grade son was not able to be in school, so because I think they just they just moved back into the area. But she didn't really have much of a choice. She had to live with her father, who was abusive, or you know be on the streets with her four children. So um, they had said that she could stay there, but they couldn't support her. Um, so she has to find a way to um, to support her family um so just pray for teresa and um and this father both fathers that the home visits were francis so um and he's got two daughters there and um the rest of her her children um but you know i just feel like you know it, it was a group effort to to bring these ladies to the Lord, and I pray that they are an encouragement to each other, you know. Um, uh, I just, you know, when that night that after I had met with Teresa, I was sleeping, and it was like God was taking me through my life and showing me different times and the things that I needed to do, and he said, and now, now's your time for me. I need you. So, um, we'll um, see where that goes after everybody's talking this morning. It's just like, you know, who knows where God's going to lead. So, we're just, um, the one thing that I realized when I started on this journey to go to Africa was that, um, I don't know. I don't. I had no idea what to expect when I got there. I had no idea we were eating rice and beans for lunch, <laughs> you know. But I didn't know if we were even going to have that. They told us to bring snacks in case we didn't like the food. So you know, that was just one aspect. And you know, there was unrest in Kenya. So, I mean, I was trusting and leaving myself in God's hands. That was that was where it had to be. And. Um, and I, I really, I, and just to, they, we were also told to be open, open to change because you never know what's going to happen. And we had we had a lot of those kind of instances, but um, 
I really, really, really um, am glad that I went. And um, I, I know one of the other things that um, we, when we went to the chapel on Sunday, um, Pastor uh, Bishop uh, Oscar was talking to the congregation, and he said, you know, um, God says in his word to give 10%. He says, but I'm saying to you, let's do 11%. That 1% is a blessing from God. And who knows what that 1% can do. And um, I challenge you with that this morning. I, I know I got sick when I came home, and I'm not sure if it's because I went to Kenya, but I would never change a thing. Thank you. Thanks, Shirley. Well, let me, let me flesh out a couple of things, if I may. First of all, Shirley, I went to see you in the hospital this last week, and you... And I threw all my notes on the ground. Now I'm back. And you said, I still have outreach to do. Some of it relates to fam, some whatever, right? Is that okay for me to say, right? And uh, so an experience like that can quicken our call on us to be his servants, his witnesses, right? Be available. Speaking of that visitation and speaking of that sermon, you brought it up. I did not tell you to bring that up. But when, when Bishop Oscar spoke on giving, it was a morning that he was putting out an appeal. I'm going to tell you this story because it's really kind of fun. It really is kind of fun. He was putting out an appeal. We were transferring the ownership of this school, the Lemuro School, to the Nairobi Chapel overseers. And they are happening. Um, They're a solid Bible teaching, well-run assembly. That matters in Africa because in Africa, uh, 80% of the population professes Christianity, but there's a lot of falsehood and a lot of error. There are these assemblies that come up because a pastor wants to make money, and if he starts a church, he can make money. This is all inside information. So getting under good teaching was critical. That's why it had an impact on Teresa's mom as she was visiting with us, and we were able to speak life to her about that. So this is a solid assembly, and he was talking about their vision, and I don't know if you remember, their vision of their Christian school is educating for life and eternity. I drove up to the gate, and you see that across the gate, and you go, yeah, really? And this, this school that they just received is the third out of 44 that they want to plant? 44, because there's 44 states, and they want to start a school of that caliber in every state, and so they're trusting God. So he preached a sermon that morning and cast vision and then just got straight up about giving, and he preached on giving. I'm going to talk today about generosity. That's what he said. And he said, if you're not giving 10%, of course, you do understand you're robbing God. What? We're Christians. We're not under the law. No, it can't stop right now, okay? So he just said it. They believe it. They try to obey it. That's why they're blessed. (laughs) 
Oh, I almost heard an amen, but you're gasping, right? So 10% is God's. If you're not giving from that, you're robbing him. It's like bills, you know, my bill. I got to pay, you know, the cable bill. I got to pay this bill. I got to pay the oil bill. My tithing is there. It's automatic. Does I don't have a choice about that. It's not mine. It's not mine. He said, you're starting to get generous when you give 11%. That was the point. Starting. So here's what he put out there that morning. He said, look, we're trying to plant 44. Some of you people here, you're used to Nairobi. You have running water. You got electricity. You got TV. You don't want to go live out in the country again. You've got tribal properties that were in, you inherited. You don't have a clue what you're going to do with them. I'm asking you to give us seven acres of your tribal property that we can plant a school. You know, at the end of the day, he had three seven-acre tracts of land. He promised one school, if you get the grades in your school up to this, I will give a personal computer. Oscar, this is Pastor Oscar, Bishop Oscar. Most of us in ministry are not rich. There are a few, but I'm not one of them, and neither is Pastor Oscar. And so he said, I will give every student a laptop. And as soon as he said it, and everyone was like, yeah. And he went, Lord, bail me out here. (laughs) By the end of the day, a guy came up and gave him all the machinery he needed. So I'm just saying, without a vision, the people perish. But with a vision, it's amazing. And so that's what that sermon was about. You started it, so that's why you heard it this morning. I wasn't planning to teach on giving. I want to go back to the home visit, however. I remember thinking, Mrs. Wilson was like pressuring, I think you need to go on this home visit. And I'm like... Oh, I don't know if I want to go on this home visit. You know, they're dealing with babies and all of that. And, and so here I am, your spiritual pastor, like, I don't really want to do this. Well, we all went, and it was an encounter. You know what I mean? We're so hesitant to, to step out in faith and just be available to God, right? And then he, he ambushes you. He sneaks up on you and blesses you. And uh, so we go into that situation, and it was at the point of talking about their needs and the gifts that we gave that the conversation kind of dried up, and Mrs. Wilson looked over. Does anybody else want to say anything? And she goes like this, to me. (laughs) And that's when I said, and this, this thing became one of the highlights of my entire week. Because I said, would you ask the father of the home, because he's in charge, would you ask, if I may share my story, which is getting rescued from fatherlessness, my father being an alcoholic and abusive and all of that, getting saved as a pot-smoking, I'll just be blunt, fornicating, hippie freak, turned around, shared the gospel. The mother made a commitment to start coming to Pastor Joseph's church, and the daughter decided to accept Christ, and we got to pray over them, and it was an amazing encounter. Totally unexpected for me at that point. And you started it, sister, so you're to blame. Praise the Lord, right? Okay, my sermon today is only an hour and a half. So fasten your seatbelt. I'm going to go as quickly as possible. Faith factor. Pastor Tim has been talking about values. Remember? Anybody remember? Upward, inward, outward. 
Last week I parked on Upward. Do we really see God like Gehazi who couldn't see that the, the, the mountains was full of angelic warriors on his side protecting him and he needed his eyes open. And today I want to speak about another one. I believe God gave me this text two weeks ago and I have to admit I'm coming to church today nervous that it's going to be misunderstood because the passage is in Joshua chapter 7. And it's in page 229 in that black Bible in the, in the chair, if you want to use that to see for yourself that I'm not making any of this up. Reviewing values is in my notes. I just want to mention very quickly, I'm going to fly through this. Last week, people were invited to the altar to ask God to give them grace to see him for who he is and to actually risk asking him for help. Open my eyes. And so people did, and I'm trusting that God's doing some work in people's lives in response to their obedience. Because let's face it, it takes an act of faith and obedience. Say, I'm going to go up there and not worry about what anybody else thinks. Because, boy, in this culture, do we give a hoot about what everybody else thinks. Which is why Facebook and all that nonsense exists. Right? And abuses each other or whatever. Don't get started. Okay. Or you'll get me started, so forget that. Gehazi needed to see God. And whatever you see next, the last thing I shared was obey the next thing, right? God's not asking you to fix it all. God's not asking you to get your, your master's degree all in 10 minutes. You start with the first class. Anybody remember what about Bob, that classic spiritual movie? Baby steps on the yellow. Dr. Marvin, I'm doing it. Baby steps down the hallway. I'm doing it, Dr. Marvin. And if you do that and you talk like that, look, Lord, I'm doing it. I'll be happy with you, okay? Just do it. Baby steps. Take the next step and do it. But let's talk a little more about upward because one of our values, and I, I'm not saying it's ours, I, I believe our leadership has been trying to foster this. Not everybody buys in. Churches say this is what we stand for, but we experience sometimes something else. Are we really upward focused? Do we see God for who he is? 9-11. Everybody remember that nightmare? The next week. Our church had bunches of people coming to pray. People I'd never seen before. Oh, we need help, God. Two weeks later, nobody cared anymore. Well, that's what you would expect, right? Well, I don't expect it from Christians, but it does happen. No need to go. No need to worship. No need to give. No need to give praise. No need to serve. Whatever it might happen to be, what planet? Where did we get this idea about Christianity? If anything is upward focused, it's knowing Jesus Christ who makes us his children. So if you're here today and you're not a believer, you're maybe thinking about this stuff, let me just put it out here. There's a life worth living and dying for. In Jesus Christ. I got one amen out of the whole room. You're, you're still married to me. That's good. There is a way of living that's worth it, and it's even worth dying for. So, for believers, so-called, and real ones, let's check our upward vision. Do we really see God for who he is? Here's two verses. I ran out of time last week. I'm just going to rapid fire through them. One, 
Romans chapter 4, verse 17, God talking about Abraham. God is the one who brings the dead to life and calls into existence what does not yet exist. I saw Bishop Oscar in action. And before the day was over, they had three new school properties ready to start rolling. He calls into existence what doesn't exist. What are we trusting him for, if anything? When renewal happens in a believer's life, lights come on. I'm going to read from Charles Finney, who was an old revival uh, preacher. Uh, I don't agree with everything that he had to say. He was off track on a few things. Namely, he said, if you're here today and you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to hell. I'll just leave that there, let you think about it for a while. But here's it. See, I don't agree with that totally. But here's what he says. Christians in revival will have their faith renewed. I've read this one other time. While they're in their backslidden state. Oh, is there such a thing as back? Oh, yes. They are blind to the state of sinners. Their hearts are hard as marble. The truth of the Bible only appears as a dream. They admit it all to be true. Their conscience and their judgment assent to it, but their faith does not see it standing out in bold relief in all the burning realities of eternity. But when they enter into revival, they no longer see men as trees walking, but they see things in that strong light which will renew the love of God in their hearts. Isn't that a good thing? Renewing the love of God in our hearts. That's Finney. God is able. Bishop Oscar rebuked my spirit when I heard him say, the problem is not the harvest. The problem is the laborers need to see him as able and for me and helping me. And then there's an upward witness. Is he really real to me in my daily type of life? There's a great verse in the book of Philippians. It's a lot longer than this. I'm just taking the first line. You must always behave in a way that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. Like, duh. You know, there was a day that Christians in America actually took that seriously. That the way we live, the way we treat our neighbors, the way we interact with the cashier reflects on God. I think um, Pastor Tim said in one of his, as I listened to his messages on podcast, because I was away, one line stood out. Everything we do reflects God's authority. Whoa. Does it reflect it positively or negatively? How come... And I live over in Jehovah Witness City, Pine Bush, right? Or as I like to say, Pine Bush. And these people are careful to be gracious and friendly and smart. I mean, they're selling a product and it's obvious they mean business. You think we take the grace of God for granted a little bit? Duh. That's the answer. Duh. Okay. Everybody with me? You must always behave in a way worthy of the gospel. Why do you think your time and your little life is all yours? I thought the Bible said you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. That's what it says. St. Francis put it this way. Preach the gospel always. If necessary, use words. (laughs) Okay, enough of that. All right. Next section. Rethinking church. What on earth is he talking about? I'm going to have to streamline this, and this is where I got nervous. 
How many of you went through the Bible for the first time with the Daily Bible, right? And you got to Joshua. The children of Israel finally stop wandering in the wilderness and they're going to go into the promised land. Everybody remember that? The first battle is Jericho. I think there's a song about that. Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. No, Geritol. Anyway, no. And in that story, you know what happened. The walls came tumbling down. Fantastic story. And uh, Mike prayed about Rahab this morning. She was one of the first converts out of the, pro- out of the promised land, right? Rahab believing in the God of Israel. Joshua is ready to move on from Jericho, the next town. Anybody know the name? The elder wins, Ai, right? Some of the guys go up and spy out the land. Hey, don't send anybody. You know, everybody went walking around Jericho seven times every day, you know, and then the last day, seven circuits around. And it was an awful lot of work. It was awful hot out there, you know, and we didn't have any, uh, you know, fina water or whatever that stuff is you're drinking. You don't have to send everybody. Just send a few people. It's a small town. We'll just clean it up. No problem. Anybody know what happened? They went up and got their dupas handed to them, right? And here's the tragedy. Nobody was supposed to die when God fought battles for Israel. But 38 husbands did not come home to their children and wives because of one thing. And here's what the scripture tells us in the story. They get beaten. Verse 4, if you're following along, on page 220, what did I say, 9, 229. So about 3,000 men from the people went up, but they fled from the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down 36 of their men and pursued them from the gate as far as Shebarim and struck them down on the descent. So the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Joshua tore his clothes. That's a sign of mourning back then. We don't do that today. They used to pull their hair and pull their clothes and rip it as being in distress, take ashes and throw them on their heads. That's how you showed you were upset. So he's in, he's in, um, in mourning, puts dust on their heads. The elders of Israel put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord, why did you ever bring us across the Jordan, only to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been willing to stay on the other side, O Lord. What can I say since Israel has turned their back before their enemies? For the Canaanites, I love Joshua's concern. Here's Joshua's concern. We just, we're going to have to bury 36 people. It's the end of the world. No. Here's his concern. The Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it, and they will surround us and cut off your name from the earth, cut off our name. And what will you do for your great name? Your name is at stake here. This is about the name of Jesus. That's the problem. So Lord said Joshua, so the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Can I quote Dr. Ashley? Really? (laughs) Really? Get up. Stop all this hysteria. It's as clear as a bell. What's your problem? 
Israel has sinned. They also have transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. They have even taken some of the things under the ban and have both stolen and deceived. Moreover, they have also put them among their own things. Therefore, the sons of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies, for they have become accursed. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy the things from under the ban. Yikes! Oh, thank God, that's the Old Testament. Have you ever read Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira? Did you sell the land for so much? Oh, yeah, we sure did, and we gave it all to the food pantry. (laughs) He's dead. Then his wife comes in. Hey, uh, your husband told me earlier you sold the property for the... That's the truth. Yeah, it doesn't happen in the New Testament church. Yes, it does. But here's the problem. I'm not sharing this so that we can find the right person to stone to death. One of you in the room is guilty (laughs) of a sin that has held back harmony from its fulfillment of the will of God. And when we find you, that's not what we're, that's not why I'm reading it. Everybody with me? That's not why I'm reading it. Everybody heard me. Like I just imagine, Pastor John said one of us needs to die. I can, it's going to be all over the newspapers this week. I can just, local pastor threatens his congregation. I can just see it. <laughs> you, out. Anyway. By the way, it's not just one. There's... Bunches of stubborn hearts in the room. And it's appropriate, just like the disciples. Remember when Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me? They all start leaning in. Remember them? Is it I? Is it I? Is it I? Am I the one? It wasn't Judas. He knows he's the one. It's all the other ones saying, is it I? By the way, can I just exhort you? It's totally appropriate for you to say, God, is it me? Totally appropriate. I have asked myself multiple times in the six years I've been, is it me? And in some cases, maybe a little. If you haven't asked that question to yourself, I'm going to leave it there. That's a great question to ask. But this is not why I picked Aiken. I picked Aiken because he demonstrates a massive dose of unbelief. Achan, for those of you who don't know the story, took stuff that God said was to be dedicated to God or destroyed. Don't take any of the spoils of this city. That's my rule. If you obey me, I'll bless the daylights out of you. Oh, no, no, no. Look at this coat. Look at that money, a talent of gold. It was a lot of money, by the way, or silver, whichever it was. The point is a lot. I'm not going to get a chance like this very often. I'm going to grab this. And his whole family was in cahoots. They bury it in his tent. They're sinning. It says, God didn't see this. But here's the worst part. God didn't see it, number one, because you don't believe in him. But number two, you don't realize what God thinks about it. Get this verse. Here's God's assessment of what Achan did. You ready? Where is it? I know I have it here somewhere. Is it on page one? What verse? 
Oh, yeah, here it is. Chapter 7, verse 1. Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> the sons of Israel acted how? Unfaithfully in regard to the things under the ban. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah from the tribe of Judah, took some of the things under the ban. Therefore, the anger of the Lord burned against Achan. Oh, I read that wrong. Who did it burn against? Mmm. Mmm. <clears throat> I want to talk about the body. I wish I had more time. I'm just going to scan this quick, okay? I'll come back to it. I'll come back and unpack it. But here's the question. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, if I can get that up. You are Christ's body and individually members of it. Our massive unbelief looks just like Achan because we think there's no consequence no matter what we do as an individual, as if it doesn't hurt and hinder Christ himself, his body. It does impact him. So I don't want to preach on... Uh, on there's so much wrapped up in this, the way we think about the kingdom and we think about whether we're part of the body. Woe is me. Nobody cares about me. I think I'll just disappear. It doesn't matter whether I serve. You know, I've been given a gift by the Holy Spirit to glorify God, but it doesn't matter if I do anything with that. It doesn't matter if I'm a steward financially. It doesn't matter if I go sneak out and sin some filthy, vile way. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have any impact. It's just affecting me. Massive unbelief. It does affect. Every time the body is treated that way by one of the members, the kingdom of heaven is hindered. The body is hindered. You wonder why churches are desperate in America, dying? We are. We're losing the battle in America. You understand? But there can be places where if we will start believing God that my part matters, it will make a difference. I had all kinds of um, ammunition. We're encouraging our small groups to read this book by Francis Chan, Letters to the Church. Pastor Tim gave it to me. I read it, and I hate it. That's a joke. I don't really hate it, but I have to admit it was exceedingly challenging. Let me just give you a couple of examples of what he talks about. Many of us have become so accustomed to various traditions that we genuinely think they are commanded. I have seen people become furious over the absence of a Sunday school while being indifferent toward the absence of the Lord's Supper. Some rant over the style of music while shrugging their shoulders at the neglect of widows and orphans in their distress. It may surprise some of you that a 40-minute sermon isn't commanded, but bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ is is actually in the Bible. I could go on and on. Listen carefully. I could go on and on about how those who complain about dress, yes, in this room, complain about dress, youth ministry, service times, are also the same people who have not shared their faith in months or years and couldn't care less about making disciples of the billions of people who have no idea who Jesus is. It's kind of in your face. You see why I hate this book? Except I love it. I love to hate it. Then he mentions this issue that we do have as a problem, and I think 
We may need to repent of it. I may need to repent of it more. Get my staff to repent of it. It's no secret that most people who attend church services today come as consumers rather than servants. Can I be blunt? I've been in, an, I've been in a mega church. I've served and led a mega church, and I've been in small churches. Neither one has the advantage. I'm just telling you. Neither one. You say, oh, I don't want to be in a big church. That's, that's your opinion. You're fine. They do things that we can't do. We can do things they don't do. There's no question that mega churches will often grow because they have a way of tapping into the consumer's felt need. Which may or may not be a good thing in the long run because are we looking for consumers who are satisfied or are we looking for disciples? We see the foolishness in this, but it feels as if we've resigned ourselves to it. We have learned to accept it as though there's nothing we can do about it. People put money in the offering basket, which pays for the staff's salaries, so the staff should do their jobs and minister to the people. There are people here that think my job is to be a chaplain. That's not what it is. It sounds like a fair and efficient... In fact, you're confused by what I just said. There's part of the problem. It sounds like a fair and efficient system. It works pretty well in some places. It's not what God wanted, but it works. Last pain in the neck. Don't give up on the dream. The church doesn't have to remain a group of needy people complaining that they haven't been fed well enough. It really can become a group of servants who thrive in serving. You know what my wife said to me last week? Besides do the dishes. Um, No, I'm kidding. That was a joke. Sarah, you're looking at me like, she really did? No, she didn't. I do it on my own. I don't want to get in trouble. I do it. She said to me, last Sunday, I felt anticipation about what God was going to do that morning for the first time. If you've never been in it, and some of us, because of our environment, we've never been in it. Do we anticipate? What is God going to do today? Is he going to minister to somebody? Is somebody going to get freed up? Is there going to be a breakthrough? Is there something happening? A sense of anticipation. How do you come to church? I'm just going to use one example. This is a, this is a kind of a weak example, but it might help us understand what I'm talking about. Do I come engaged or do I come like the concern? Let's see how yeah, Pastor Sum was okay. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Mm-hmm. Rainer, our friend, wrote this a while back. I pulled it up. I thought, I'm going to use this because it talks about what I do. And there's nothing more important to me than what I do. No, that's not true. Seven ways church members could prepare for a sermon. What if church members began their own form of sermon preparation? We expect the pastor to pray and, you know, pack it up and all that. Here's some examples of what they could do. Seven ways members can actively prepare for sermons. I'm only going to read a few of them. Pray for the sermon. Exactly. Pray for a few minutes. The church member should pray for the upcoming sermon. I wonder how many of you did that. Pray for the pastor who is preaching. He needs a lot of prayer, as a matter of fact. Pray that the... 
pray. I was going to brag about our elders and how encouraging they are to me, but that just went out the window. Pray that the pastor will understand God's message for the text. You think it's easy coming up with something to say every week? Not really. That the spirit would fill the pastor, and that's what I want because I don't want to preach if I'm not filled. Pray for yourself as you prepare to hear the sermon. Have you prayed that today? Lord, I need ears to hear. See, there's some of us who are just sure we know it all already, and it comes out. It comes out the way you act and the things you say. It comes out. I, I already got all this. And I, I watch that, and I hear it, and I go, boy, it couldn't be more obvious that you don't have it all. You don't get it. You're missing it. Pray for yourself as you prepare to hear the sermon. Read the text, maybe, in advance. How many of you read chapter 7 of Joshua? Ow! This guy's a pain in the neck, too, isn't he? Take notes, maybe. Seek, here's the best one. Can I just be blunt? Here's the best one. This is the important one. Seek an application for your life. I listen to preachers who, from my chair, this guy isn't really good. But I go and say, I'm here to worship God. I'm here, and God's going to feed me somehow. You know what? He does. Maybe there's something missing. Well, I went over time. You forgive me? You have to. You're Christians, right? I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to pray this. And I want you to join me in prayer. I'm going to actually pray some of the words that Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote in his book, Life Together. Lord Jesus, I agree with my brother when he says in a Christian community, everything depends on whether each individual is an indispensable link in a chain. A community which allows unemployed members to exist within it will perish because of them. I think American churches are perishing. I think we've had the seeds of death in this assembly. And I'm asking, Lord, that you raise us up and you inspire and encourage and quicken and illumine the mind of every true born-again saint in this room and every time that we're in the room. That we would see that we do not act alone. That our sin does have consequences. That our serving matters. That our part is integral. I'm asking God that you would rivet that down into our souls. Because then we may gather with a sense of anticipation. Maybe God's going to do something today. Maybe I'm going to minister to someone today instead of just see what I can get. Maybe... You're going to show up and change someone. Lord, we look to you, desperate for your spirit to continue stirring among us. I'm so grateful that you are stirring among us. I'm so grateful that lights are coming on. We're asking that you do not relax your hand, but continue to strive with us for your namesake. What will you do for your great name, Joshua asked. And thanks be to God, you forgave, purged, and gave them the victory. Do so for us, we pray. 
In the name of Jesus, we ask it, and all of God's people said, Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great afternoon. And if you need to pray, that altar is always open, by the way. God bless you.